Welcome to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. For this episode, we're at the Big Data Conference in Manchester. You'll be hearing from Luke Benstead, the head of performance analysis and innovation for Belgium, Ed Sully, the director of customer solutions for Huddle, and first, Miladin Sormaz, the head of football analytics for Leicester City. Uh, today, it's been refreshing to see that everyone has the same issues with just bringing data together from lots of different sources and figuring out how to match that up before you even get to the insights. It's, it's something that's constant for everyone. How do data scientists get coaches and staff to buy in? Uh, I think the interesting thing with practitioners is just the language and just making sure you're speaking with the same terminology. Um, with your data mind on, you always want to use fancier words, fancy concepts. But in reality, the ideal is that we all just speak the same language. So how big is the divide between coaching terminology and maybe data terminology? Uh, if you're looking really generally at, say, like a coaching manual compared to just your average data scientist out there, um, a lot of the concepts are the same, but the terminology is not the same. So for example, right now, expected goals. Um, in a coaching term, you might say, how many times would that guy score the shot out of 100? That's a concept the coach gets and probably the way they think about probabilities. Um, but in a data scientist way, you'd say, oh, there's a 50% chance of that going in. And that doesn't always um, match up exactly in how coaching terminology works or how they think. Do you need someone that already knows football to, you know, learn data? I think, as I mentioned in the talk, uh, there was the diagram. Um, domain expertise is really important. So that means uh, you need to be really into football. You have to have a passion for football. And all the presenters today do have a passion for football. And then that drives your determination to use the right language with practitioners. Um, and from there, I think that really you either have to have basically a data nerd who really loves football or someone who's already quite good at math on the coaching side who's willing to upskill and maybe go away from the thing they love in terms of coaching as much to deliver insight. Do you see more coaches with data backgrounds or with more um, data knowledge coming into the fore um, right now? It's hard to predict. If anything, I think uh, in, in the future, possibly things just get more diverse. We've seen in American sports that has happened. So in basketball, I think some coaches with data background have come in. But if anything, that's just increased the number of staff uh, rather than replace in any way. Uh, I think it's possible. I mean, recently we've seen that performance analysts have started becoming first team coaches and things like that. So there might be a pathway there for data one day, but it's probably a while off. How do you introduce a new concept, uh, let's say body positioning, that's coming up in tracking data? I think step one, if you're not sure of the coaching terminology, go find it out from the coaching manuals. Uh, go figure out basically the language you're supposed to be using. Because the key thing is when you introduce something, you have to have credibility. And that comes from speaking the same language. So a lot of the time you either already know how you want to put it across to a football person or someone who works in football. And if you don't, step one is go find out before you do anything. And then what's step two? Step two is then just have the face-to-face -face. <laughs> uh, and then hopefully it, you know, it works out. But usually, generally, there's a lot of openness um, because everybody in football just wants to be better. So yeah. there's at least a willingness to talk. And uh, do you find in your experiences in football that more people are becoming agreeable or warm to data? Uh, I think it really varies. I think aware is probably the best. Everybody's becoming more aware of data. Uh, and I think within the next two or three years, 
Uh, we'll see whether they're more agreeable or not. But I think just now it's just hitting the mainstream and I think people are making of it what, what they will. Uh, but that, that's where I think we are. So yesterday I was speaking um, with some of the people who were going to be at the conference and I was told about a special rule called the 80-10-10 rule. Uh, what is that rule and how does it relate to football? That's, yeah, that's also known as the 4-5 and five rule, uh, also known as the Lionel Messi rule. Uh, if you're ever creating an advanced attacking metric and Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are not up there as some of the best players, then you have to go back and look at how you're going to validate uh, it's quite a common rule. Uh, it's just mainly sanity checking your own modeling uh, before you present it to anyone. Yeah, but I was also kind of told that part of the reason is because the coaches won't take it seriously. You know, if you start seeing like four people they've never heard of in a top 10, they'll be like, oh, well, this rule or this theory of yours is bogus. Yeah, in general, that's why four out of the five things are usually expected and then let there be one exciting or interesting result. Yeah, so what is your biggest challenge as a data uh, analyst? Uh, speaking more generally about, uh, about the whole field at the moment, because that's what today's kind of been about, I would say it's now application. I think people are aware of data, people are aware of what um, is contained in data. And the next step now is how can a data scientist actually improve the workflow of someone working at a club and really just being super applied, focusing down to really specific examples uh, and just making sure you can make their life easier where you can. So just to kind of contrast it, maybe where we were five years ago, how is it different today than it was five years ago? Probably more awareness in the general public um, that it exists, but arguably still in its infancy. Um, it's still, still at the beginning, really. Why would you say it's at its infancy? Um, it's not that widespread through football at the moment and the American sports is a lot more mature, but it's not that common in football. So it's still sort of just gaining ground really. So what does it kind of need to gain more ground or become even uh, more widely used and um, a bigger part of the game? Uh, that kind of links to the last thing, so I guess application, I would say. like. Now there are tons of companies out there and uh, tons of solutions, data solutions being offered. But now it's just making sure that they strike the right chords with things practitioners actually need and that can actually help them. Uh, and once that starts happening at a quick rate, then uptake is easier. People for the last decade have seemingly been just trying to acquire as much data as possible. So how do data scientists try to find better data and not necessarily more data? Uh, step one is um, QA and just data engineering is it's partly the most boring part of the task because it's just looking for mistakes, looking for errors, looking for reliability, but it's really the foundation of everything else you can build. So yeah, it's that data engineering, that quality assurance. Someone recently mentioned to me that one of their concerns for the industry is that some of the people that are making hires of data scientists and data analysts you know, don't have the technical skills to really judge whether the person they're hiring has them. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I can't speak for too many cause just because there haven't been that many hires that I'm aware of, but I, I know that generally they want the people to present a task. And so usually it's led by um, application, like I said earlier. So it's generally a reasonably good measure that if you can answer an applied question with the data set you're given, that you're at least some of the way there. Um, and then from there, it's like anything else. Uh, you just have to figure out what more you need. Um, 
Yeah. So just going forward, you know, something that is people are discussing a lot is just in general life is AI as kind of the future of uh, a lot of technology. Where does AI fit into football? And is there something else that's maybe more exciting in the future of big data and football? AI is a term can be oversold a lot. Um, I think really probably the best thing real AI is going to deliver in football is better quality data. So for example, tagging events onto tracking data, matching those up uh, and just providing way better enriched data for practitioners, for, perform for performance analysts, for coaches to use. Um, I think the exciting thing is going to be coming from just actually the conversations that happen between data scientists and um, practitioners, um, coaches and people like that, and actually then applying that onto the field. Um, it doesn't need to be as complicated as super advanced AI. It can be a lot simpler than that. And I think that process is probably nearer in the future. And that's the more exciting bit of just actually seeing what comes from that. Uh, why, why do you think that it's in the future uh, and, and not in the present? Uh, just to get an uptake, like you need to get a base level of uptake across uh, all the football before you can start really doing the super advanced stuff. Um, and as we're seeing now sort of in American sports, uh, it's getting to the point where nearly every club has some sort of analytics department. And it is until you have that platform, you can then start doing the, the wackier, the sort of more advanced ideas. Yeah. Um, in general, do you find that at a club you have... Um, a lot of time to dig into more longer term projects or is it mostly working on kind of ad hoc day to day requests and things of that nature? Uh, in general, you just have to try to uh, match yourself at best to the department that you're working with. Uh, so really, it's just a reflection of whatever time scale they work on. Uh, the off season is the biggest time to really tear everything up and start again data engineering wise. Uh, but in a, during the season, insight delivery is the key. You know, data scientists work with different departments, sports science, and they work with the coaches, they work with youth. Do you have to communicate differently with the different departments or um, change yourself to, to the different departments? Uh, it's not as much the department, it's just really based on just the individual. Um, it's just like one of the most, I'd say, generic data science skills you need is just communicating information. So it's more just like saying, how does this person like this? I haven't massively found any differences across departments or anything like that. It's just, just the individual there and how they like to, to look at things. Luke Benstead. I thought it's been fantastic. Uh, I've really enjoyed listening to the other speakers. And I think what's been really good with the conference is each presentation is linked onto the other. So we've talked about big data sets. We've talked about meaningful data. We've talked about linking data to the video. We've had a coach up there presenting about how important video is with the data. And then we've had some real easy and simplistic ways that you can use data throughout the conference. So I think it's been very, very good today. I think that's been one of the biggest themes that I've taken away is that how interconnected data has to be with every part of the club. It's not some isolated thing that one or two people do off ground or off site, you know, and just kind of research. Yeah, I think if you can cross-reference over departments, it can always help because I think it adds layers of context uh, to the data. And we've seen today with a number of a different uh, presenters that they're all from different areas of football in different departments, but they show how they can integrate data to inevitably impact the coach and the coaching staff.
Just if you could talk about from your own personal experiences, maybe how you've seen data evolve in your career. Yeah, it was uh, it was coming in when I when I was an analyst in the first team. Really, it was really in its essence. And when I was at Everton with the likes of Dan Purdy, I watched him build some fantastic data sets and also some brilliant dashboards, which could kind of be interactive and quantify uh, data. And as um, as I moved to Manchester United, my sole role was based on uh, pre-match scouting, open play, and set play. So I kind of took a bit of a step back from the data side. And when I come to the RBFA. I felt like it was a really important area that to add another layer of information which could really close a loop on some of the good work that we're doing. And so obviously you don't have a data background. Um, you know, how have you had to adjust to this you know, rise? Yeah, I think it's just knowing your strengths and weaknesses. You know, I, I know I'm not a data scientist or a data analyst, but I know the power of it. And I've been lucky enough to be exposed to it. So when I seen the power of it, I wanted to get people in and employ people that could be able to make that visual. And I think once we've had the Yannick Uvra come in and stay in Campo, it's allowed us to progress to the department forward with the resources we've had. But I think it's so influential in what we do. And just because you're not from a data background doesn't mean you can't make and use good data, especially if you create your own metrics. You referenced creating your own metrics in the talk today. As someone who is not a data scientist, how do you go about making your own metrics? Yeah, I think there's no right and wrong in it. I think that's the main thing. I think people think that you need to, like, would they agree with that? Would they disagree? If it's your own metrics, it doesn't really matter what other clubs or national teams think. But the important thing is, is that you need to make sure that it's transparent through the organization and some of the main people you have to get on board is you need to understand the ideas of the technical staff of other analysts and you need to come together to be able to create that unity uh, with your own metrics but i think sometimes we get caught up with um, thinking that it's right or wrong it's not really about that if it measures what you want it to measure and the data is reliable i think that's good enough to say that it's meaningful data you've obviously talked with a lot of um, you know data analysts uh, today and in the past, uh, what's something that that you're continually learning from them, or maybe learning to appreciate about them more? I think what I learned the most of them is that there's some areas that I still don't know, you know. And we've seen some a great talk from from Arsenal today about how he used simple simple and meaningful data to be able to make that very visual in day-to-day -day work. So what I learned today was is that you've got data in the present that you need to use now. You've then got a bit of a timeline between now and three days. And then really after that, it becomes historical data. And I think it was really a, a take-home message because it's like you need to act as soon as you can after the game with that data and being able to listen to the data scientists today it, it just allows you to think on their level especially from my point of view because i would cast myself as a performance analyst not a data analyst so i feel like i can always learn from them but we need each other because if they're going to create the metrics we need to show them how we want to code it and how we can actually make that visual for the coach so you're in, in many senses almost like you know, go between you ask the data scientist or the data analyst kind of what you want based on what the coach is telling you and they, you know, funnel it back to you and then you funnel it to the coach. Yeah, I think you have the ideas of the technical staff and the coach. I think that's what you use. But as analyst, data scientist, data analyst, it's your job to put that all together. So we will, we will trial things, we'll do things and we'll get feedback. I think the most important thing is you get feedback on this subjective data because 
If you don't get that feedback, you don't know if it's reliable or valid to the most important people, which is the technical staff. But subjective data, it has to be quite flexible. It has to overlap. And as I said in my presentation today, you know, how you define it or how you define a metric, you have to be consistent with it. And I think if you're all on the same channel with that, I think then it be, just becomes able to speak about better rather than having any grey areas. But unfortunately in football, it's subjective. So it's about opinions and it's also about how people see things. So you need to have that little level of flexibility, but doesn't mean you can't go far with uh, your definitions. As a performance analyst, what area are you looking, you know, in the next one to two years to explore um, and really dig into when it comes to data? It's a great question. Um, I think we need to continue on the projects that we're doing and what we're trying to build. And then from that, we will evolve. I think uh, some of the stuff we've been doing about creating our own metrics, every time that we've done it on a game or an opposition game or just a random game, we've learned new things about our code window and new things about our metrics. But in one or two years, I'd like to see us be able to have a bigger data set um, and mainly uh, looking at starting with let's explore it with us and to see how that goes because we're able to give that tactical layer to our to our detail. Can you give the audience a brief idea of what you are doing? Yeah, what we're trying to do is just not use a, a data set or a data provider when it comes to us. So anything that's about uh, the Red Devils, anything that's about the first team, we code the data subjectively. So that's a project in its own. When we're looking at potentially scoping 23 other teams in the Euros, I think you have to use a data provider because you don't have the resources to do that yourself. But the project really is about how we can create our own metrics and we need to start with us. And I think that's the exciting project that we can start to quantify output, maybe attacking output, defensive output, but also that will come from the suggestions and ideas of the coach, but they will always be um, sacred and they will always have to be within your organisation. But how we do it and the workflows we use are, everybody will do something that's ex the same as each other. But I think it's good that you share how you build things and workflows, but the actual final product, the detail of what you're doing, I think that's important that you keep that yours and, that, and, it, and it becomes unique. You've worked with Roberto Martinez here, but you also worked with him before at Everton. Did you guys, when you were at Everton, talk about data like you do today? Now, my role at Everton was a slightly different. I wasn't the head of department at that time, so I was a, an assistant analyst, a first team analyst, and my main role was to support the head of analysis and also to do a lot more post-match work. At that time, I, I actually really wasn't maybe aware in my journey of how I could use data in a post-match scenario. I would use basic data like possession, passes, but if I was to do that same role now, I think I would have another layer. But um, I think all the coaches that I've worked for have always been interested in data. I just think it's the skill of the analyst of how you interpret that and importantly, how you deliver that to a coach because, um, you know, you have to be clear and concise and it has to be meaningful. You know, how are you trying to deliver that message to these coaches um, who, you know, aren't necessarily data users in their own right? Yeah, I think you have to be visual to start with. I think you can always have it in a conversation as well. You can have a conversation over, over breakfast where you know something about some stat and you can tell them. But I think visualization is really important. And I've used a number of tools or been around a number of tools in my time, like Tableau, Power BI. You can easily use Excel. You can use Keynote. But I think you need somewhere that you can house the data. For me, the most important thing 
is that you can interrogate that data live within the product. If you can do that, it allows the technical staff to ask questions on the product without turning to you and saying, okay, what about if you can split this between first and second half? I need to go and change it. But if you have that built into the product, you can just allow them to control it themselves and you inevitably you want them to be able to manage it themselves. So there's a number of different products out there you can use and there is no, there's no perfect one, but it's what's good for you. Ed Sully. Yeah, I think the conference was great. Um, it's always helpful to get uh, like-minded people in the room um, from kind of diverse backgrounds. And of course, this event had a very uh, data lens to it, but it was good to see that there was a, a good mix of uh, different kind of uh, specialisms in the room. Yeah, I mean, there were people, not just data people, but, you know, sports scientists and, you know, performance analysts. It was a real mix of pretty much everyone in the type of in the football industry. Yeah, and and scouts as well. There was, uh, there was a couple of heads of scouts, uh, head of scout and head of recruitment there as well, which I thought was really good. The overall themes that were coming out of the of the conference were about um, first of all, kind of not forgetting the people part of it. So, making sure that um, it, from purely the kind of data science perspective, making sure that you are in regular dialogue and contact with your key decision makers. So often that is a coach or a head of recruitment. Uh, or a sporting director, etc., um, so that you're having regular dialogue around what is it that they need or what is it you can suggest in terms of um, uh, changes that may come, um, and then and then work on those solutions and um, and try and respond to those those curiosity questions quickly. Um, I thought another key theme that that kind of came out was around. The importance of, first of all, from a data perspective, setting up your stall, as it, as it were, in terms of um, how your database is set up so that you can answer these questions quickly um, so that you're not in a place where it takes you just as much time to build the data as it does to answer the questions. And I thought that was um, I thought that was really, um, really insightful and powerful. And, and I think if I reflect on where this sector of the industry has come from, I think probably the early stages were about just that you know how do we join data and now it's kind of moving beyond that and and really get into the into the good stuff which is the kind of the insights and the speed at which that can be delivered yeah it seems like you're kind of addressing the part of literally just managing all the data was you know is still something that some of the, some people are still trying to figure out yeah and I, and I think like most um areas everyone's on a kind of different journey um i've had some fantastic um kind of mentors through my career and and uh, the best ones talk about the kind of journey that people are going on. You've got to be respectful of that um, and, and understand that um, that those journeys are happening for quite simple reasons. Either they have finances or, or they are more challenged around that or they've been able to invest in people or they have not. Um, or, you know, it's, ne it's never the limitation of people's ideas. I think that's the main um, thing that comes through when you go to conferences like this, the ideas about what to create and what people need are everywhere um, and it's more about the kind of how do you create um, a situation where you can empower people uh, and I think that's the, the, the thing uh, from my perspective joining Huddle uh, as being one of the most exciting elements of that um, how, how can we create something that uh, we hope people are going to uh, kind of warm to because we're designed to come, come and help them essentially. How do you and Huddle approach uh, using data, especially, you know, going forward? 
Yeah, I think like most companies, it's um, it's very important from um, looking at it from a user perspective, i.e. what of our technologies is being used by customers um, so we can be reflective on that. Um, all the way through to um, how do we use the data and information to position uh, insights that are powerful and connect with customers and make them interested in, in our work th- uh, further. Um, uh, and of course, within that, when we're hearing questions from, from our customers, can we use uh, data and I include video within that data and the kind of video part of it uh, to, to help find those kind of example solutions uh, and help the different disciplines. So like, as we've called out, whether that's scouting or it's coaching um, or if it's in the medical and sports science side of things, um, you know, this, it, the use of data is everywhere. And I think like most companies, we are looking at it from kind of a, a kind of a broad perspective. Yeah, it seemed that like one of the other themes of the conference was really linking uh, data and video, uh, whether it be, you know, using examples with videos or literally taking data from videos. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Ultimately, key decision makers want to see the evidence visualized. Um, and certainly in a sporting context, that is video. So video is, is still king in that regard. Um, uh, and, and what the data essentially does is is allow you to speed up that process of getting to the right video to um, to make a point, you know, and to reflect on something and then ultimately make a smart decision. Um, so I, I think that's that's the great enabler of, of the way the technology is going this, these days. Um, it uh, essentially allows the processes that have always gone on in sports since the sport began. Um, it's just the, the enabling factor of it means that it can happen much, much quicker. Are there any ideas that you had that were kind of challenged or changed at the conference? I wouldn't say so. I think it really confirmed, you know, the positive direction that this area of the industry is going into. Um, and it was great to see the presentations from Le- Leicester and from um, from and from Belgium, where you know the, the guys were talking about, um, you know, how do they make those those strong connections with key decision makers, and also you could see, you know, a humbleness in the approach as well. I think, you know, maybe there's some been some um, bad examples in the past where um, where people have gone after, um, you know, data as being the one and only true answer. Um, and, you know, I've always been a believer that a more balanced approach to any situation, actually, not just not do this one is is important. And whenever you get polarization, you often get conflict. Um, so it's great to see that the industry in a, in a short space of time in the use of data analytics has really started to mature. Um, so that is actually more of a kind of a comfort, actually, that the the industry is going that way. So what do you kind of see as the future of data in football? Yeah, what we're seeing um, is, is is basically three main sources that are being blended together. Um, you've got your video, which I guess is would have been first in the line, and then uh, event data um, in terms of the kind of ball contact, what's happening on the ball. Um, and then the most recent uh, advancement has been in tracking data, so knowing the position of every player on the field, pitch, court, whatever uh, sport it is you're playing. Um uh, and being able to get that increasingly heading towards a, a kind of a near real-time uh, environment. So, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I love the quote, you know, you, you can't win um, today's game tomorrow. Um, and es- essentially, the insights I see are going much more towards 
um, being able to help the coaches make smart decisions in the moment. Um, and the, the other part, of course, is finding the best players or athletes for their team quicker than anybody else. I think, I think they're the two main kind of arm races, if you want to call them that, um, in, terms of, in terms of the sporting uh, context, the use of uh, data. Uh, all around kind of smart decision making around how you find your best players and athletes um, and and how do you uh, try and essentially win the game when you're in the moment. Thank you for listening to the Training Ground Guru podcast in association with Huddle. We'll be back in a few weeks time with another episode. In the meantime, you can follow our latest updates on Twitter at ground underscore guru.